What if your faith could become more than just a story? What if your faith could be as gentle as a dove and as wise as a serpent? What if your faith could become as bold as a lion? What if your faith could become lethal? My name is Blake Harris, and I'm here with my co-host, Dr. Michael Knight. And here on the Lethal Faith Podcast, we're here to give your faith some lethality. Hello, Lethal Faith family. This is Dr. Michael Knight. I'm here with my sidekick, Blake Harris, and we are glad to be back in this studio. I want to take a moment and thank you guys for your prayers. We've had some major um, setbacks, some major struggles in the last six, seven weeks. As a matter of fact, it started out in October with one of my head elders dying, um, and everything that went along with that. I was in Los Angeles, California, doing a Lethal Faith Conference with Dr. Sean O'Neill, and I got the call that my mother had died, and I had to come back and rush back to be with my family and to get those things in order. And my mother's doing better now than she's ever done in her life. And um, um, it's uh, that was a tough time, continues to be tough. But my mother was a born-again Christian and very devout in her faith. And uh, we uh, gave her a ceremony that was more like a church service uh, that day. And uh, the next week after that, my head, one of my head leaders, the number one leader, one of the top three leaders in Covenant Community Church, volunteers, top volunteer at Covenant Community Church, passed away unexpectedly, out of nowhere, and was the head of our deacon board. And we had to go through that. And then the next week, ladies and gentlemen, the, one of the largest tornadoes in American history hit western Kentucky. And western Kentucky is where Blake and I pastor and uh, we set up a pod uh, from Mayfield, where you've watched on television with the Candle Factory, all the way to Bowling Green, Madisonville, Kentucky, where our Never Before Studios are at, uh, sits right in the middle of uh, western Kentucky. And we had a warehouse that we filled up 13 times and emptied 13 times. We had five different pods and we raised uh, right at $350,000, and we're still raising money because the need is enormous. And you can go to covenantcc.net if you'd like to give to the disaster and mark your giving disaster because the need is enormous. And so we've been giving out and literally going over one pile of rubble from uh, one city to the next, from one location to the next, finding people. And I've walked away from hundreds of people in the last six weeks and thought, how in the world did you live through that? But I have never done anything that I've watched God receive more glory for in my life than this tornado, Blake. I have watched the Lord get tremendous glory from the unsaved. I have seen so many great stories. I can't even go to sleep right now without dreaming about them. And I've heard so many sad stories where people have lost everything. There's a precious pastor in in uh, Bowling Green, Kentucky, that we've helped, and uh, they lost their building the night they dedicated it. Yeah, and, that story's incredible. Yeah, and he, uh, you know what happened to them? I said, uh, Pastor David Perez, he was on MSNBC News, I said, where did you, uh, what did you do? Because you went home that night, dedicated the building on Friday, you went home, you get a call at three or at 1.30 in the morning that the building's gone because the tornado had touched down in that area, 
destroyed it all. And he says to me, Blake, we got our elders, we got our deacons, we got our leaders, and we had a church service on the ruins of our church and gave God praise because our future was going to be great. My God. That's amazing. <laughs> yeah, I think is. about Pastor Ben in Mayfield that, are, uh, that we've helped and his wife Amanda that took a church from 20 people two years ago to 160 people. Tornado went right through their building, destroyed everything. We've been helping. We helped a, a pastor at a General Baptist Church, Pastor Green, who is one of the most positive people, has a wonderful testimony about how God delivered him and saved him. He built an unbelievable church out in the middle of nowhere. Yes, that is incredible. I work with his grandson, and uh, who's the, the youth pastor at that church. Oh, really? Yeah, and it is... Uh, it, it, that man is an incredible pastor. Oh. I mean, and you're right. It's in the middle of nowhere. And these people run like 500 people every right. Sunday. And I'm like, you guys are literally in the middle of yeah. nowhere. Yeah, they've done such a good job out there in Bremen. But Bremen is where the tornado yeah. hit. Places like Barnsley, Bremen, uh, Dawson Springs and Mayfield and Bowling Green you've heard about. But I doubt many of you have heard of Barnsley or you've heard of, of uh, Bremen. <laughs> Bremen was completely destroyed on that side of the town. Uh, Mayfield looks like an atomic bomb, and King Kong went through downtown. But God has been good, Lethal Faith family. So what I wanted to tell you is thank you for your patience. We've sorry we, we've had to take a leave of absence over the last couple of weeks, about a month. We had no choice. It was live or die. It's helped people yeah. find lodging and do what we were called to do. We mobilized over 400 volunteers in just the first week alone. And uh, God's been good. But 2002 is going to be a wonderful year for the Never Four Project. 2022. 2022. That's right. 2022. You're 20 years behind. Yeah, I'm 20 years behind. I feel like I'm 20 years behind today. And that, with the message I preached today about how Jesus... Uh, 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 really successfully engaged in a busy life, solitude and silence. But we're glad you're here, and we're going to pick up where we left off. We're talking about, is atheism dead through the book Eric Metaxas? And Eric Metaxas asked the question, is atheism dead? And one of the first things he brings up is this Big Bang Theory and about yeah. how uh, the Big Bang uh, was actually a uh, very fine-tuned event, which I love studying about. Um, and then he actually talks about uh, the uniqueness of our solar system. We've talked about all of those things. And uh, I want to pick up today where we left off. But as we get into really looking at the fact, Blake, that this universe is fine-tuned, um, I want to read, Blake, everyone, a, a, a passage from this book. It's page 55. What Eric says is that the conclusions about the world being finely tuned are, is so increasingly strong, almost essentially unavoidable. And in a 2007 New York Times op-ed, the popular English physician Paul Davies wrote this. Scientists are slowly waking up to an inconvenient truth. The universe looks suspiciously like a fix. The issues concern the very laws of nature themselves. For, for 40 years, physicists, cosmologists have been quietly collecting examples of all too convenient quote-unquote coincidences and special features in the underlying law of the universe that seem to be necessary in order for life and hence con conscious beings to exist. Change any of them and the consequences would be lethal. So Paul Davies is not really, Lethal Faith family, a man of faith. 
but he is a true scientist. And by that, Eric Metaxas says he means he's unafraid to deal with the facts that are on the table, regardless of your religious belief. Then you look back, Blake, at Stephen Hawkins in A Brief History of Time, and you find out what he said about the universe being fine-tuned. What did he say, Blake? Yeah, he says, if the overall density of the universe were changed by even 0.0000000000001%, no stars or galaxies could be formed if the rate of expansion one second after the Big Bang had been smaller by even one part in a hundred thousand million million. Oh, that's a big, that's big right there. The universe would have recollapsed before it even reached its present size. Wow. Um, I mean, the the percentage is so small. Like, there's no way we can even comprehend how small that really is. You know, like where I work at, we deal with ten thousandths of an inch. And if something is ten thousandths of an inch off, it's no good. It's Unbelievable. No, you know? And, and we're talking about something so minute that, like I said, we can't comprehend how tiny that is. You know? And he go, it kind of goes what on. What else did he say? Blake, read, this, read that <clears throat> next statement because a lot of people, I never even heard the first statement you just read. And then I never knew Stephen Hawking said this. Listen to this. Lisa. He says, it, it would be very difficult to explain why the universe would have begun in in uh, just this way, except as an act of God who intended to create beings just like us. You know, that's uh, that's pretty fascinating coming from uh, Stephen Hawking, you know, and uh, I really can't believe that's really hard to believe, you know. Well, if Paul Davies didn't convince you and Stephen Hawkins don't convince you, what about Fred Hull, Blake? Fred Hull uh, was also very candid about the universe's fine-tuning despite being a long-time and dedicated atheist. In fact, we, uh, as we have said, he, he led the charge in wrinkling his nose at the repulsive idea of a universe with a beginning and an inadvertently coined the term Big Bang. But in 1955, a decade after this, he was giving a lecture on how stars and their interiors created every naturally occurring element in the universe and was explaining that they do this with the simplest element, hydrogen. If this were purely a scientific question and not one that touched the, the religious problem, he said, I do not believe that any scientist who has examined the evidence would fail to draw the interference that the laws of nuclear physics have been deliberately designed with regard to the consequences they have produced inside the stars. Now you think about Fred Hull, who's an astrophysicist and a longtime dedicated atheist, who is a true scientist, he's not afraid to acknowledge the fact, Blake, then he goes on to say something even more remarkable. Yeah, he says some super calculating uh, intellect must have designed the properties of carbon atom, uh, of the carbon atom. Otherwise, the chance of my finding such an atom through the blind forces of nature would be utterly minuscule. Of course, you would. A common sense interpretation of the facts suggests that a super intellect has monkeyed with the physics as well as with the chemistry and biology and that there are no blind forces worth speaking about in nature. The number one calculates from the facts seem to me so overwhelming as to put this conclusion almost beyond question. Let me tell you just exactly how fine-tuned the universe is. You take the star systems, for instance, in our galaxy. 
Our star system is perfect for life. The Bible just simply says in the book of Isaiah, chapter 40, verse 26, and he brings out the starry host one by one and calls them each by name. Well, do you realize that even the star systems on earth is actually reinforcing your ability to live? That life requires on earth an exact system of stars, not just any star system will do. Presently on our earth, you can be in the right star system for life and be bound and find uh, in any galaxies. In other words, on earth, we have an exact star system that cannot be found on any other galaxy so far, but it's perfect for planet earth. There is an estimated 106 trillion stars in the universe, and they are approximately 200 to 300 billion in our galaxy. So one star is not the same as another star. For life to exist on a planet like it does on Earth, there has to be a single, simple star system. And if the Earth had the wrong star system, the planet would be too cold. If a star, and see, a star lives a long time. So a star, even if it has a precise hue to it, uh, in other words, a star system has to have the right color for life to exist. If there's a balance of red and blue, then life can exist. If the star was any other color than red and blue, it would make life impossible. So if the stars were any other color, they would actually not only make life impossible, they would flood the earth immediately. And when you look at earth, it, it seems like it's a place where life needs to exist. It almost has the right to exist. It has the right mass. It has the right light. It has the right color. It has the right composition. It has the right distance. It has the right orbit. It has the right galaxy. It has the right location to support life. And even scientists who are atheists are now coming to this place like Blake so brilliantly said a while ago that they say it looks like somebody's monkeyed with the equipment. It looks like something has planned our existence. You see, the galaxies, the whole life, not only had to have the right star systems, but they have uh, also all of life on earth. The Bible says in Psalms, When I look at our heavens, the work of your fingers, the moon and the stars, which you have set in place, what is man that you are mindful of him, and the son of man that you care about him? But when you look at fish, and habitats, and oxygen, and mountains, and ducks, and cheetahs, and monkeys, and bugs, and vegetation, and grass, and humans, and birds, and elephants, and polar bears, and geology, all of the earth, and all of the life that lives upon its surface, it is almost as if God is saying by the stars that are out tonight, I love you. You know what is so amazing to me, Blake, that even the dirt is anointed. Even the dirt <laughs> is proof that God loves you. Even the dirt, the tectonic plates are, are, that hold us up and holds the earth like a puzzle together is, is designed intricately and with great precision. And if it was any different, Lethal Faith family, there would be no earth. We wouldn't have life available. Even the dirt is perfect for life. That's right. You know, it, you know God even used the ground to design. He used it to design men, every tree, every beast, production of food to nurture life. He hid greatness in the dirt. You know, that always gives me hope right there. If there's greatness in the dirt, then there's got to be greatness in us, right? So we live on a paper-thin crust of dirt, a thickness of 4 to, to 30 miles. Uh, it contains more than a dozen tectonic plates that constantly move the earth. It has a rigid shell. If it were any thicker, they would not work properly for life. 
the girth of the earth is 8,000 miles around. If it were just 10 more feet, it would be fatal for all life. The earth's geology and biology interact with one another. The earth's crust is even more fine-tuned. You have to have an ocean to have tectonic plates. The ocean actually lubricates and facilitates the movement of the earth. They actually keep it from being a water world. Without these tectonic plates, life could not exist. It actually regulates the temperature of the earth. The tectonic plates emit a magnetic field that is essential for life. These plates actually create mountains. They drive carbon dioxide. It's so fine-tuned. For Job goes on to say, he says, For affliction does not come from the dust, nor does trouble sprout from the ground. And then in Genesis it says, I will not again curse the ground any man any more for man's sake. I think that's absolutely fascinating, Blake, that God in Genesis would say, I'm not going to curse the ground any further. Yeah. After what you just said. Yeah, that's right. Uh, it, it's kind of like after reading all that, and then you're like, did God really curse the ground? You know, because <laughs> yeah. it's, it's pretty fascinating. Well, he did. There's thorns. <laughs> well, yeah. But if he really wanted to curse the ground and he was mad at us and he wanted to destroy us, listen, he knew how to do it. All he has to do is mess with those tectonic plates and the depth of the dirt underneath the earth's crust. Yeah. Let's move this 10 feet. All right? <laughs> yeah. yeah. <laughs> Good luck. He's referring to our lethal faith table that is... Gorgeous, but King Kong couldn't move this table. <laughs> well, you know, it's not just the dirt, ladies and gentlemen, family, uh, lethal faith family. It's the power of water. You see, it takes more than water for life to exist. I get so tired of hearing scientists or news organizations be embellishment with embellished science by saying, oh, there's possibility on this planet because we found water. That is not true. Number one, you haven't found the right star system. You haven't found the other things. But here's my point about water. Scripture teaches us that water is more important than life. As a matter of fact, water, Blake, is mentioned more than Jesus, more than God, and more than love in the Bible. It's mentioned 722 times. It was God's second act of creation. And Genesis 1 and 6 says, Let there be an expanse between the waters, separating the water from the water. You have to realize that a water world is a dead world. You remember that movie? What was the name of that movie? It was Water World. Water World. It's a dead world. So life on earth requires a specific kind of water with strategic precision. The kind of water on earth that we have is very important because the chemical composition for water is crucial for life. The water on earth is exquisitely suited for a carbon-based life. Our water doesn't freeze, it dissolves. And this is not true on any other planet that has ever been found so far. Without the exact type of water we have on earth, life is impossible. And don't forget that, students. Don't forget that. It's so amazing that our water doesn't freeze, that it dissolves. But you need to understand that our water doesn't freeze, it stays in a liquid form. And Job 5 and 10 simply says he gives rain to the earth and sends water to the field. But look at the oceans. The depths of our oceans are 30,000 feet, just right. If they were any deeper, if the oceans were any deeper, when you go on vacation this year, you take a good look at the oceans and think about the depth of the ocean. Because if they were any deeper than 30,000 feet, the oxygen would be absorbed and there would be no possibility for life. The temperatures of our oceans are regulated actually by the tectonic plates Blake was talking about. You know, if God could 
warm those up a little bit, that'd be great. Yeah, you know? <laughs> that would be true. It's 20 degrees here in western Kentucky. If they were too warm, if the oceans were too warm, algae couldn't live. If they were too cold, everything would die. In other words, someone is keeping fish alive tonight in the kingdom of God on this place we call planet Earth. You see, the center of the Earth has a pressure of three million times greater than the surface of the planets. So the ocean's precise pressure on the Earth is what keeps the Earth from fracturing. If the world were smooth, the Earth would be covered with water 1.5 miles deep. Oceans interact with the sun. It causes material and nutrients to emerge. So the tides of the ocean wash, washes these nutrients from the continents into the ocean, thus feeding the organisms of the ocean. It's almost like a master clock. It washes salt into the marshes to keep the balance of salt water and life exact. And the ocean is actually a choreographical dance. Do you realize that the water and the ocean actually teaches us that God loves us, that he's been here before our arrival, that he planned our arrival, and that the earth, regardless of whether you're an atheist or not, if you're true to science, science is showing very clearly that there is purpose in the design of this planet and the galaxies we live in. We haven't even started talking. Tell him, Blake, about the moon. You know, Genesis uh, 1 and 14, it says, Let there be lights in the firmament of the heavens to divide the day from the night, and let them be for signs and for seasons and for days and for years. The moon, if if our specific moon did not exist, neither would we be able to exist. The Earth's moon is different from any other moon ever found in the universe. For a planet the size of the Earth, we have a big moon. It's one-fourth of the size of the Earth. It is 240,000 miles from the Earth. If it were any less, we would die instantly. Its gravitational pull actually stabilizes the Earth at nearly a constant 23.5 degree tilt. This tilt causes the temperatures to change. The climate on the Earth that is just right for man is directly related to the position of our moon. The climate of the Earth is mild enough to sustain seasonal changes. It is the moon that does this seasonal change. The moon keeps the ocean from stagnating. If it were not for the moon, every living thing in the ocean would die. It has a magnetic field that shields our planet from harmful radiation. The moon actually has a magnetic field that shields our planet from, uh, uh, I'm about to repeat that, from harmful radiation. So the, the moon used to be called the Sea of Tranquility because scientists used to believe that the craters on the moon were former oceans. We now know that these were not former oceans, but places where cosmic asteroids crashed into the moon and as the moon deflected dangerous asteroids from hitting planet Earth. The moon is specific. Uh, it has a, if our specific moon disappeared tomorrow, we would all die. I mean, that's pretty plain to see there. It is exact tilt to stabilize the Earth's weather. It is tilted at 90 degrees or Earth would be sent into utter darkness for six months. The entire North Pole would melt instantly. You see, Mercury and Venus have no moons. Mars has two tiny moons. The moons of Mars do nothing to stabilize their planet. All three planets are said to be in total chaos because of their moons and their faulty tilts. Our moon stabilizes our existence. It gives 
It increases our tides. It gives the power to the ocean to clean itself. Its lunar tides keeps large-scale oceans circulating. If it were any larger, the Earth would be destroyed by tidal waves. The next time you enjoy the beach, thank God for the moon. So the question is, why don't other moons in our galaxies protect their planet? Because no one else is living on them. That's why. And so Psalms go on to say, it says, It shall be established forever like the moon. And then it goes on later and says in Psalms 19, it says the sky above proclaims his handiwork. The moon's incredibly powerful. I love the fact that God looks at Job, which is the oldest book in the Bible, and says, where were you when I created the mountain goat and and taught him to walk on the back of his heels? This universe is most certainly, whether you are religious or not, if you're true to science and true to the facts, most certainly appears to be designed specifically for life and even so much to the power of the sun. You see, Deuteronomy 4.19 says, And when you see the sun, know that God has allotted it for all peoples under the whole heaven, that God put it there for people. So our sun is a behemoth beast. It's the source of life on all the earth. It's actually a huge star, and at its core is 27 million degrees Fahrenheit. It's 93 million miles away, and it has a mass that is 300 times greater than that of the mass of the Earth. If it were any less massive, Earth would be uninhabitable. If life were to ever exist on any other planet, in any other universe, lethal faith family, it would have to have, absolutely have to have, a sun or star just like ours. And if we could move our sun just 5% in either direction, Every animal and every plant and every organism would immediately die, just moving it by 5%. As a matter of fact, the Earth would then turn into Venus at 900 degrees Fahrenheit. And if it were any, like 20% further away, Blake, carbon dioxide would soon form in its upper atmosphere and Earth would instantly be like Mars. Ice, ice, baby. I don't need any more ice. It's freezing outside. 80 uh, 80 song coming out of me. The problem is not just any kind of star will produce life, not just any kind of sun. A planet has to orbit around the right kind of star, one exactly like the one we have, and then it feeds the planets, or excuse me, feeds the plants. It converts energy into 500,000 different species of plants, grasses, and vegetations. This conversion happens in millions of cells in one single blade of grass. And no other star in all of the universe, students, has ever been found to match the massiveness of the sun that operates in the Milky Way, that shines upon planet Earth. Our star is in the top 1% of all the stars in mass size. And the sun actually has this Trinitarian Blake radiant energy, which I find interesting. It has heat, light, and activism. In other words, you have uh, uh, red for the passion of the Father. You've got light for the visibility of the sun. And you've got actinism, which is the spirit of transforming life and making life possible. What's so amazing is if the color of the sun were any different, such as blue, it would blind all the living inhabitants on the earth. So the color of the sun is just the right color for life to exist. Every second, the sun produces enough energy to run one billion major cities for one year. Ironically, our sun actually spins too slowly for evolution alone to have created the earth. That's something you never have anybody talk about. That's right. 
It spins only once every 25 days. Other stars have flares 100 million times more dangerous than the small flares that come from our sun. Other stars actually emit dangerous gases, but somehow our sun times its emission of gases in a safe manner. And even the sun's timing protects human life on Earth. It puts out more energy in one second than 100 nuclear bombs. And while its distance from the Earth is 400 times greater than the distance from the Earth to the moon, we orbit the sun with exact precision because it is located between those two protecting spiral arms of the Milky Way. Remember, we live in a perfect galaxy, galaxy for Earth, and our sun makes life livable. Our sun actually sits right in the middle of two protective arms. That's the power of where Earth is positioned. You're right. You know, Proverbs goes, says, uh, he drew a circle on the face of the deep. Peter says, by the word of God, the earth stood out of the water and in the water. The earth is in a position where it is tilted perfectly to regulate heat. It is coalscended out of debris from previous cosmic events as a position with the galaxy that was most probable for all of life. It just so happens around a star that is the most highly appropriate. A star rich in metal, found in a safe spiral galaxy. It moves slowly on a galactic pinwheel, not in the center of a galaxy, which would be impossible for life, not in the global cluster, not in an active radiation place, but in a single star system, not even near stars too small. And all of this just happens to make just happens to take place on a planet that allows global temperatures to have liquid water. Perfect water for life. Not just any water will do. A planet with sufficient water, too much water, or all water would, be, would destroy life. Earth has the right range of building materials and the correct amount of internal heat. This allows the, the plate tectonics to exist. We're not... In the center of the universe, nor are we the common planet Western scientists have made us out to be for the last 2,000 years. Earth is extremely rare because of its animals. It is a planet that prefers beauty. Its nuclear field of stars is not the height of God's power, nor is it the limit of his ability. They are the echoes of something larger than themselves. The universe is the echo of his might. The heavens are telling the glory of God, and the expanse is declaring the work of his hands. Day to day pours forth speech, and night to night reveals knowledge. There is no speech, nor are there words, their voices heard in Psalms 19, 1 and 3. Here lies a, another uniqueness of the earth, though, Michael. It appears that, that the most striking features of the earth are not what we see, but what we cannot see. The further out we go, the more extravagant it gets. The earth screams with light, 186,282 miles per second, so fast that one beam of light can circle the earth seven times in one second. In 365 days of nonstop traveling, it can cover over 5.8 trillion miles. Then, and only then, the earth begins to look more like a great thought than like a great machine. 
Maybe the study of cosmology is actually the greatest act of worship. Amen. I like what uh, Blake and I brought up at the last uh, podcast. Let's say that you were going into a hotel in a foreign country, and you get there, and you didn't make reservations, but you walked into just a hotel you picked at random, and all of a sudden it has your favorite music, maybe Journey or the Happy Goodmans or Hillsong. You choose one or, or the other. And your favorite music is already on an iPod sitting on the stand next to the bed. And then you notice that your favorite colors of clothes and your favorite brand of clothes are in the closet. Then you go to the bathroom and you find out that the toothpaste you use the most and your favorite deodorant and favorite cologne are all sitting on the counter in the bathroom. Then you notice when you turn on the television, your favorite show is already on and that it has live stream of all of the previous programming of your favorite shows. You go and look on the bed, and it's just the right kind of bed that you like. It's got the pillows that you would buy for yourself and that you have bought for yourself. And then there's a gift basket there. And say you love oranges, and it's full of oranges. And say that you loved uh, uh, peanuts, and you loved Reese cups, and there were Reese cups and peanuts sitting in that gift basket. And it seemed like someone had expected your arrival. That's exactly the way, Blake, the universe is. And Lethal Faith family, I want you to understand that the earth is uniquely fine-tuned, just like Eric Metaxas says that it is. And so we're going to continue this and go into um, a little bit more depth on some other areas like animals. And I want you guys to be praying for us, and uh, we'll see you next week. But before we do... I want to encourage you because Lethal Faith Volume 2 is coming out Easter 2027. I'm so excited about that. Please share our podcast. Share our Never Before memes and help us get the word out. If you haven't signed up and liked the Never Before Project page, please do that. And help us to get the word out about our podcast. God bless you. Hey, guys. Thanks for listening to the podcast today. Don't forget to like, share, subscribe. And as always, keep it lethal.